Welcome to the Playing the Game podcast with your hosts, Brock White and Cody Ransom. This podcast is the place for all things baseball, hunting, and entrepreneurship. These two guys have put in the work and have the stories and advice to back it up. Brock is a longtime business owner, and Cody played pro ball for over 18 years. Driven deep to left field. There it goes. See ya. A long home run for Cody Ransom. The one thing that brings these two guys together is hunting. Babe Ruth said it best. Never allow the fear of striking out to keep you from playing the game. This is the Playing the Game podcast, presented by Rolly White RV. And we're back. Play the game podcast. Yeah, you got that thing figured out. I know. I'm like fading it in. Those guys are pro over here. You know, you, you start working on this podcast and you're like, hey, there's these buttons. One of these days I'm going to find out how to download what you actually want on there. And, and, you can, and not just randomly push buttons and see what yeah. pops up. Like you can put, we could put like uh, some of our favorite music on there, you know. I, I like it. You know, you know I, I like, I like some favorite music. What's your favorite song, Cody? What's me? like, me? like, let's say, oh man, we're going to listen to, like, okay, you are, you're juiced and you want to, you're, you're gonna, you're gonna come and you're gonna just crush the ball. You need all the power. Well, so that's. You're the emotional. The opposite of what you want. When you you're all emotional the, too. You're you got emotions rolling because this catcher's talking crap. Well, then you're definitely not going to get a hit. <laughs> 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 okay. You want something that's going to like uh, put you in a in a uh, even even keel. I'm so. W- say you're a closer. So. And you want to throw a ball at a guy's my head. My favorite walk-up song that I ever came out to was. Um, the Diamonds Are Forever remix um, with Jay-Z and, and Kanye. Oh, really? Yeah, it's a Sierra Leone, it's called, but it's the Diamonds remix, and that yeah, was... That was yours? I, I used that one for quite a few years. Was that like, uh, it's, it just got your mind right? Yeah, it was just in it. The, the lyrics got my, my mind right. Like, I got, like, different songs for different moments. Like, I have, like... Um, this guy made me mad, and I'm considering, like, uh, uh, this thing's, like, echoing. Hit, hit mute on it. This? Yeah, because he should be through here, right? Jeff, can you still hear us? Can I what? Can you hear us? Hello? Maybe not. Are you there? Yeah, I'm here. All right. Okay, let's try that for a second. I put the <laughs> phone in a different spot. Sorry. Well, I have different songs for different moments. Like, uh, this guy cut me off. Maybe I need to listen to one song, so I calm myself Mellow down. Mellow out a little bit. Mellow me out. <laughs> like, I'm going to wakeboarding. Mm-hmm. I have a totally different genre for wakeboarding. Yeah. Like, it's just chill. And you have to get your mind right because you're going to experience a lot of pain. <laughs> it's not good. <laughs> it's, it's such a weird moment. I don't, like, I don't think wakeboarding should be that. Because, like, 
Well, it depends what kind of wakeboarder you decide you want to be. Do you want to just? I don't want to be the one that experiences pain while I'm out enjoying well, like, myself. If you're just like, hey, let's go have a fun time and cut across, right? Mm-hmm. But guess what? You're not that guy. I know Cody. I know me, and I know Jeff. What's gonna happen is you're like, oh, dude, I jumped the wake. What's next? What's next, right? <laughs> do a flip. Oh, we're doing the flip. Guess what? To learn how to do the flip involves a lot of pain in between. <laughs> concussions like we had to stop wakeboarding for a little bit for a long actually like probably about 10 years ago we were we got a wakeboard boat we're like let's get back into this you know and but i'm like 40 pounds heavier than i was when i was in and i'm like i i can't leave the ground you know um and i'm like you're trying to do your tricks you're doing before when you're 20 and you're going to work with concussions, and we're like, this is not, like, <laughs> arms are getting dislocated. We're like, let's surf behind the boat. Arms are dislocated. Let's just not, let's not do that I like that the anymore. surf idea. The surf is so much chiller, and you don't break, like, I, di- I didn't blow my knee out surfing and break my foot, and it's nice. I like it. So what is your favorite song, Jeff? Jeffrey, we got Jeffrey Rowe. I'm sorry I didn't introduce them. We, we're like 10 minutes in here. Jump Jeff, right into it. Jeff Rowe. I know. I've, I've met Jeff. It's been a long time, actually, like seven, eight years ago, I think. It's been a while. And I met him through our good friend, Mr. Greg Krogh. The, uh, he's, he's, you know... He's a really good friend of mine, and I would almost say, is he like a mentor to you? Um, or just like an annoying father figure? <laughs> <laughs> He's more like a best friend. Like, I, I mean, he does mentor me in some stuff, but when I started working for him, I felt like I was, I was, uh, what's the word for it? I was good to go, I guess, you know? <laughs> you were set. But he has along the way. You didn't need to, like, be taught, like, how to sit in glass and all the fun stuff? No, all the outfitters, I mean, a little bit. I mean, he does teach me some stuff, but just basically, like, just fine-tuning some skills, you know, um, which is which is nice. And I've had a lot of success hunting with him. Greg is a grinder, and he hunts ethically and appropriately he does it the hard way not the easy way that's correct i i that's like that's how you guys hunt and that's why i love your guys's outfit because it's like it's pure hunting to me it's not the let's chase a deer around let's run the roads and find out when the deer are hitting water and then we're going to hunt that spot you know what i mean Mm -hmm. Right, right. And I feel like more, that's... More traditional. That's like cheater. That's like, hey, let's go hire a bunch of people, and we're just going to chase this deer until he f- drinks water, and then we're going to bring the cavalry in. Right. And I'm like, is that hunting? <laughs> well, that's what a lot of people think. Like, when, I mean, some years, I mean, every year we do pretty good, but, like, when we're hunting with hunters, it's literally, like, me and one hunter, Greg and one hunter. It's not like a huge program. Greg only has like four full-time guys 
So it's not like these other outfitters that have piles of, you know, help. Well, and you know, he has his spots and he sticks to his like guns and he, he knows your guys' strengths and you got your spots and you just stick to your guns and it's a proven technique and it works. It's going to get better too, because now that cameras are gone, like I couldn't be happier. Cameras are gone by the way. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm a big fan of it. Uh, a lot of people aren't, but, um, just the cheaters. I think it's going to benefit us in the long run. Um, what people don't understand, I think there's a lot of people that are upset about no cameras because of their salt station that they might have for coos deer mm-hmm. or mule deer. Or, um, you know, it's not the average guy that they're trying to punish. Right. It's these giant outfitters that literally run a thousand cameras in one unit. Right. Make it so unfair to everyone else you you don't have a chance for anything if um, you're not one of those guys right and i and it's really a big issue like i don't i don't hear about it as much on the kaibab but like the strip it's definitely an issue and well, even nine it's an issue and a few others yeah you got because you got desert elk and desert deer they're hitting the same water holes right and they oh, make, yeah. and everyone knows they, they pattern and they and eventually, that animal's going to hit it, right? You just right. need to know when they hit it. And exactly. Like, and to be honest, like, it's a, kind of an unfair advantage to the animal because you're like, I know you got a drink, sucker. <laughs> <You're> right. Like, <laughs> right. At some point. I so. mean, still, like, I mean, there has been deer we've hunted that, like, you'll probably never kill them because they're completely nocturnal, and it's just nice to know. I guess that he is hitting water, but it's like, it's also nice to know to go hunt a place not knowing what's there, you know, that's, the, that's well, what's going to be the beauty of the strip. It's like bring back the what if factor. It's well, kind of annoying. Like when deer get killed and everyone already knows what deer it is. It's oh, going to be cool. And, you shot that and they are, there's like 30 names for it. And you're like, no, I named it this. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. No, it's uh, name is clay. I named it right. clay. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, I, um, so Jeff, how old are you? State your age, please. Uh, 28. 28. He's yeah. a young gun. Oh, is he ever. Um, where did you grow up? Uh, like central Arizona, uh, Prescott. I'm originally from San Diego, but I moved out here about 17 years ago. So you were there for mm-hmm. all of nine years of your life? Like 11, I guess. 11, 11 years. Yeah, 11. Yeah, Diego but I have all my family there, too, so I go back often. San Diego to Prescott, Prescott's quite a move. Yeah. Oh, it was um, <laughs> it was terrible, to be honest with you. Yeah. Well, terrible in which way? Terrible that you had to live in San Diego? He said every way. <laughs> no, well, I, well I, like, I had all my friends and family, and then someone, not someone, my dad's like, hey, we're, we're out of here. I'm like, okay, and then. You get dropped off in a place with really nothing to do. <laughs> no what, friends. Whatever, nothing to do. Well, that was when I first moved here. And then we. Uh, what had happened was um, my grandparents also bought a place. They're from Buffalo, New York. So when they bought a place, we lived in their house until they moved out here. And then we bought a, a new place out in the sticks and, and got the ride 
motorcycles and quads every day of my life. So that was pretty cool. And you're like, whoa, this is kind of cool. Yeah, exactly. So you start riding motorcycles and quads. Um, if anyone goes to, I don't know if it's Greg's um, Instagram page, if he still has it or yours, but there's this meme that he put of you that just, I loved it a lot. <laughs> the motorcycle and the guy with the mullet? Yes, kid. If you could send that picture to me, I would really appreciate it because I think Cody needs to see it. Oh, whose page is it on? Is it on your page? Is it on Greg's or it's yours? On Gre- it's on Greg's page. Yeah, it's like. That was a fan favorite, that's for sure. <laughs> it's like this guy with the mullet <laughs> and he's got a cigarette in his mouth and he's like. Hey, you give me a bucket of corn, I'll kill every deer in this valley. <laughs> and that's uh, pretty good. So, you grew up riding motorcycles, enjoying the outdoors. When did you really start getting into hunting? Because, like, your level of hunting, that doesn't happen overnight. Um, well, basically, um... Like my dad hunted all of, like through like when I was growing up, and like by the time like I was old enough, like he sacrificed a bunch of time, like taking me with him, and probably like when I was like ten when I started going with him, and then I'd kind of do it off and on, and then I would say when I got around like the age of like fifteen or sixteen, then I really started going at it, yeah. hunting all the time. Like we'd hunt like all Christmas break. Um, every day after school, my dad would come pick us up. Cause like normally those times of year, like my dad wouldn't work at all. Like he would literally hunt every single day and then come pick us up and we'll go out in the evenings and go hunt. Were, were, were um, your parents the, still married? Uh, no. seems like your dad got it figured out, you know, no wife. He, yeah. I know what I'm doing hunting. I mean, right. No, I'm he, sorry he's married that. now. I'm sorry but. for that. But, um, yeah. <laughs> that's like every single man's dream. I'll pick my boy up. We go hunting every day. Right. That's cool. Yeah, exactly. Now he's got the old ball and chain locking him down, huh? I wouldn't even say that. He bought a place in Mexico um, so, so he can last hunt. year. No, he's not hunting. Just uh, It's way down by... Um, pretty sure like Baja 1000 went through it last year. Uh, a town called Barreto. Oh, yeah. I have we have a friend that lives down there. We're actually going to have him on a podcast. His name is Captain Baja. Oh, really? <laughs> official. His, his, official they, his, if you look him up, he's his name is Captain. I don't. His name's Kurt, but he's the he's from the states. Grew up here, but now he lives down there. I don't. I think it's called Berea, Barreto. It's just. Uh, I think it's south of La Paz. No, south of La Paz, just north of Cabo. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's, that's- pretty far from my dad's place but oh yeah no yeah he bought close. a place down there and they're down there fishing right now just living life dude huh yeah so yeah his compromise was to sell their house in prescott and buy a house in phoenix and then bought a place in mexico so that was the compromise to go to phoenix what was the the compromise was phoenix yep because the, the the wife wants to live in phoenix yep and he's like, okay, well, if I'm buying a house in Phoenix, we're also buying this house over here. And it, yeah. um, just so you know, I'm going to spend most of my time over here. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of how it went. I mean, it, it, it worked, so 
Good for them, man. That's awesome. Yep, good for them. So you grew up just hunting, loving the outdoors, riding motorcycles, just all the time outside. Yeah, um, basically, yeah, every day after school, like, if I wasn't hunting, because normally I would only hunt, I never hunted August, but, like, December, because we had, like, uh, Christmas break, and then, like, pretty much most of January, and then other than that, then we were either riding dirt bikes or at the skate park on our bicycles. Yeah. So, just one of those three things, you know. You play sports? simple. Any sports did you play? I never did. I never, like, I played a lot of baseball when I was a kid, and then, um, just loved riding bikes. <laughs> like, um, that's all I cared all I cared about. The sports kind of get in the way of hunting seasons anyway. I mean, Cody knows yeah. all about that. Mm-hmm. Right. I wish I would have, that's my, like, I don't have really any regrets, but, like, that is the one I wish I would have played, um, baseball a little more. But me and Cody have, my, we have this thing about my structure, baseball. you know, we, we say what me and Cody have this uh, belief in baseball that if yeah. you play baseball, you can play any other sport. I love how you group me into this. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I'm just, I don't disagree with you though. Like baseball is such a life journey in itself where it's comp like you can't just like, Hey, you got to shoot the ball at this hoop. Right with right, basketball, right. basketball simple. You guard this guy, you shoot a hoop. Baseball's like, you got to know the rule book. You you got to know what to do on certain like you know. Right. On, there's so many scenarios that just teaches you. You get your mind working constantly, and then every pitch is a, you know, could switch up everything the way you play. And then on top of it, you're constantly failing, and you learn how to deal with failure. And I think that's the best thing for kids is learn how to deal with failure. Mm-hmm. Right. I will tell you, like, if you take a baseball player and you put him in a, you know, have him shoot a basketball or throw a, or catch a football, he's probably going to be okay at it. But if you put mm-hmm. a, like, if you watch first, first pitches and you take an NBA guy and have him throw a first pitch, oh. odd, odds are, that's not everybody, <laughs> but odds are it's not going to look pretty. And if you right. have them swing a bat at a ball, it's probably not going to look great. Now, that's not all of them because somebody today, I think, was it the Bears quarterback? Somebody was Justin Fields today. Fields? Maybe. Just- I can't remember who it was. And he never swung before. Well, I'm sure he played, like, all the way through, I would imagine. I, it sounds like he has a little bit more. <laughs> but, dude, those guys are so strong. Like – and they're they're quick. They're quick, right? All those Yeah, there's a lot of fast twitch in there. A lot but of fast twitch with football players. Let me see who this was. I got, um, I got it right here. Yep, Justin Fields. Uh taking BP in Chicago. I guess that Justin's on the minor league team, huh? Wow. Yeah, he's played before. Yeah, he that that swing doesn't come from the first time swing, huh? It's because he's a baseball player that made it to the NFL. <laughs> Yeah, dude. Well, look at Kyler Murray, baseball player. He was a bit. Ba- and why do you think he's so accurate throwing the football? It's not because of football, is he? What? Accurate throwing a football? He is pretty accurate. Yeah. He, okay. he 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 is. He is. He had a bad. So that last playoff game was not so great for him. You know, it it wasn't. It wasn't his. No. It wasn't his like. The second half wasn't great for him. Of the season. 
Yeah. I think with him, happens. he gets like, he gets injured, and then he gets hesitant. And yeah. then, then. I don't know. And then Cliff, old Cliff Kingsbury, it's like he doesn't know how what to do at that point. He just loses his marbles. <laughs> like, I don't understand it. How could they be like. 10-win team with, like, two losses and just, like, fall apart the way they did. To me, there's a lot of coaching involved in that for that to happen. Yeah. Like, you had a good system. They didn't, like, sure, they lost Dean Andre Hopkins and some wide receivers, but you had some people there. What happened? Like, and to me, it's football. What? Okay, so a good manager, Cody. I'm sorry, Jeff. We're going down a rabbit hole here. <laughs> a good manager, how many wins do they win for the team a year? A good manager, putting like strategy wise. In the big leagues? Yes. Uh, are you talking about like player moves, like pitchers coming into the game, or are you talking about like a good manager between coaching and player moves, like, you know, ins and outs, putting the right. Pitcher in blah blah blah. In 162 games, how? Ten. Ten. They they're responsible for Maybe. ten of those wins. The rest is talent. Oh yeah, the guys have to play. Yeah. So, football, dude. I could say I think it's like 75 percent coaching. Play calling, right? Play calling. Is that what you mean? Just just the coach in general, putting like the coach as in like they're coaching the players up. They know the game plan. You got play calling. You have a way to, like, get your guys pumped up and, like, in the moment. Mm-hmm. And the perfect example is Bill Belichick. Yeah, his, his game planning was pretty good. That guy, without nearly, I think, without nearly the talent, he makes all these players great, and they look great, and they go to other teams that are not that great. He made Matt Castle look like a number one quarterback. He went to the Chiefs, and Bill Belichick got that win. He won that one. A couple first-round picks. Right. So, anyway, sorry about that rabbit hole. Here we go. <laughs> um, so, we're, you're enjoying life. You wish you played baseball. We kind of rubbed it in. You didn't play baseball. Because this will be little regret. You know, I'm not, I'm not, I don't think about it every day. It's all right. I mean, you should probably think about it every day, but, you know, it's okay. <laughs> Um, so do you go so now you're 18 you're out of high school are you going to college what are you doing um no the college thing just really wasn't like there was nothing down that road that I really wanted to uh, pursue and um all I I cared about was hunting so I was like well I want to be a hunting guide and uh here I am 10 years later, still a hunting guide. <laughs> yeah, so um, you happened to kill a really large animal. Um, if you look on his Instagram Yeah, I've been page. looking at his Instagram page. There's quite a few very large animals on here. Well, I, I, I know yeah. your, your Nevada deer hunts are like... I... I keep telling Greg, get me a tag over there, and he keeps telling me it's not that wor- it's not that great. And every um, and every time I see a picture, it's like one ninety plus bucks getting killed every year. 
they're just really rare is the thing. And it's just so expensive to go hunt over there. To buy a lantern tag, it's ridiculous. It's just, I just, Jeff, I just want to hunt with you, man. <laughs> <laughs> just keep bugging Greg. Maybe he'll fold. No. Yeah, I'll keep bugging um, him. He'll fold. But yeah, it is. It's very tough over there. I mean, um, well, people just very, see the Instagram, right? They see your Instagram. They see this 200 inch giant, uh-huh. 32 inch wide giant buck. And they're just like, they don't realize what that entails. What does that entail? I, Cause I know a little bit from you guys because I've mm-hmm. dropped a trailer off up there Yeah, for you guys to stay in. Um, Which we appreciate. What, uh, what is like a, what does that look like for you, dude? The process of finding them? Yeah, let's talk about your pro. Like, because I don't think people realize the work that you guys do for this hunter right here. It's it's more time than anything. Um, um, just waking up early, glassing in the morning. That's all it is is glassing. Like, we're really not finding these deer any other way. Um, I'll spotlight every once in a while. It's legal in Nevada. Um, I've never found a big deer from it, but, um, do you ever use I'll it to just be like, Hey, there's deer in the area. Say that again. Well, would you use spotlighting just to give you an idea where some deer are at? And then you go, back no, or the I'm deer? basically just, uh, like trying to find a specific deer, um, just like cruising roads. Yeah. trying to find a big buck but like I hardly do it because like we're waking up so early in the morning and then you know but in the summer by the time you go to bed it's like 10 o'clock and that's with not even doing anything that's just getting done glassing in your truck and then driving back to camp so um, I really don't spotlight much and honestly like we've never found a big deer from it so we just stick to uh, glassing with uh High quality optic. Um, how how many weeks before do you go before the season? So you got because I know Nevada's the first archery season to open, right? Mm-hmm. And then how many weeks before the hunt do you go out there to start finding deer? We'll typically, I honestly just go until we find bucks to hunt. It's like. Um, like, I know and Greg normally, would go out as many as a month earlier. Start. Greg starts going in, like, um, early July. I'll start going in later July. And um, typically in seven days, I'll have um, a buck to hunt. And but, if I don't, then I'm coming back um, to well before the archery hunt to try to find one. You're coming, oh, like, so you find a buck to hunt for the rifle hunt in like about it it's and if you don't then you come back so you find it you're in july looking for a buck to hunt the rifle hunts in october Mm -hmm. that deer gonna be there so basically with all our summer scouting um we'll be hunting deer on the rifle hunts in that area typically um in some of the units, you only have probably the first week or two, and then they start like 
for whatever reason, they start migrating. Um, I don't know why, um, but they do. Um, so it makes it tricky. So all your scouting kind of goes out the window and then you're just hunting random spots every day, trying to, you know, find a buck or whatever, you know, Yeah. which there's always these migration, migration routes that we will sit on and get on a big vantage point and look through to say a valley that they're coming through and just glass every day. And hopefully one of the bucks comes strolling through there. Hopefully. <laughs> which is rare. Which is rare, but we've had bucks that we killed or we knew of they got killed, you know, 15 to 25 miles away from their summer range. Really? Uh-huh. Why, why do you think pushes them? Do you think they got pushed there? Do you think they just migrate naturally over there? Why would they I so think they away? just migrate naturally over there. Like um, winter range, or are they rutting, getting ready for the rut? You know, I have no, I have no idea. It could be the rut because um, the areas that they show up normally have a lot of does. Um, but normally, I don't think they get pushed out of a spot. Like normally, like when we're archery hunting, and we'll bump. We don't kill them the first time. We'll either bump them, you know, a handful of times before we actually get an arrow on them. So, and most of the time, we'll, uh, every deer is different. Usually, we'll find them every day or two, or sometimes we'll see them once and never see them again. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's crazy. That's crazy. That's why it's, I don't know. I, they're just like my favorite animal to hunt because they're just unpredictable. Yeah. Um, Everyone, all of them are different in their own way. Tired of going different places to get all you want? Looking for a program that offers everything? Are you interested in training, nutrition, baseball, softball, after-school youth programs, hunting, or charity work? One Performance is an all-inclusive program that offers training, advising, instruction, and opportunity for everyone, from the beginner to the professional. With a staff compiled of some of the best in their fields, impressive backgrounds, and an unmatched passion for teaching and giving back, One Performance is the first of its kind in Arizona. With the connections and background we have in the baseball community on a local and national level, from T-ball to the major leagues, One Performance offers teams known as Arizona National BPA, opportunity for instruction, gameplay, and development in every aspect of the game, both physically and mentally. The staff at One Performance Training are some of the finest in their respective fields. They strive to educate, motivate, and assist every athlete in maximizing their abilities. Whether you're looking for an opportunity for a young athlete or a seasoned professional to surround themselves with like-minded coaches, mentors, and athletes, One Performance is the family you're looking for. Check us out on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Ready for an escape? Ready for an adventure? Do you want to camp, hunt, hit the dunes, or just relax on the beach? Rolly White RV is the number one toy hauler dealer in Arizona for the past five years running. With a no-pressure culture and no dealer fees, they guarantee you a great price and a great experience as you purchase your very own toy hauler or travel trailer. Rolly White is family-owned and operated and is now expanded to five locations, including Mesa, West Phoenix, North Phoenix, Flagstaff, and Idaho Falls, Idaho. Whether you're looking for a toy hauler or travel trailer, fifth wheel or bumper pole, Rolly White can get you what you're looking for. They carry all the big names, including Genesis Supreme, Vortex, 
Attitude, Wolfpack, Raptor, Forest River, and the newly released Wanderer by Genesis. We all want to beat the heat or just escape the craziness and get outdoors. Let Rolly White help you get there by visiting any of our locations or checking us out on Facebook, Instagram, and online at rollywhite.com. Let's talk about your big buck you shot. It's always um, nice to uh, be, a, you know, most guys you talk to, like, they don't even have time to hunt for themselves, you know, because, yeah. like, when do you ever get time to go hunt for yourself? And to then not only get some time, but get a tag that's worthy of hunting, right? Right. And then not only to get time to actually have time to actually hunt the hunt, right? Oh, yeah. And then to actually be successful <laughs> on that hunt. So, um, I hunt quite a bit for myself. Um, like, on a lot of the archery, the over-counter stuff. Um, yeah. I just don't, I don't waste my time with, like, stuff where I won't. I'm just, like, if I'm going to go. Here's the deal, Jeff, okay? We've been friends for a while. Me and Cody over here. <laughs> We're like, you're uh-huh. hunting a lot in archery. Like, where, where's the invite, buddy? You know? Well, where's you the haven't invite? seen me kill anything big. Yeah. You can come up and hunt with me. It's, uh... I just want to get... You know? We just want to... Listen, three people, three bows, we're going to shoot a lot of arrows. <laughs> <laughs> All right, yeah. so let's... Fly. You got drawn for a strip archery tag. Coveted strip archery tag. How long ago? Was that four years ago? Uh, 2019. It was like pre-COVID. It was pre-COVID. It's funny to think about those times and think about we were just living a world with no mask. Well, I never wore a mask, but, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah, so anyways, got super lucky. Drew the tag with nine points. Um, archery tag, of course, and... 13B archery, and I knew I had 13B archery because I was the only unit I applied for, and uh, found a big buck. I had some buddies tell me about, I knew about the deer, but the deer had moved, you know, three or four miles, I forget what it was, and they showed up on a different trick tank where there was cameras on it, and um, the deer you were hunting? Yep. <clears throat> they happened to check it, and, uh, the bucket moved, so let me know about it. So opening morning, we all cruised in there looking for the deer, couldn't find them. And then <clears throat> the next day, or that night, um, I went and checked his original water source, obviously off a trail camera, which, like that, realistically, like, my deer wouldn't, it wouldn't have died without a trail camera. And... I'm not going to say that it was easy because, like, killing him was pretty difficult. Like, it just was lucky to happen. But, like, nobody would have been in that country if it wasn't for trail cameras. And I don't know. I just like the, uh, like, you have to use them to be competitive. So, I mean, well, it's more even. Back then you had to if you even wanted to hunt a big deer. Because, oh, yeah. Because everyone... Uh, not only are they using trail cameras, but people don't realize they're shoot. They're flying shoot planes all around the whole friggin' place. Yeah, that's not. That doesn't happen um, as much 
but I think it, it it'll probably start happening again. Oh, people are there's going to be a lot of deaths actually, and it it's kind of <laughs> sad to me because you get these people that buy um, a shoot plane, mm-hmm. and there's what you go look watch YouTube and uh, YouTube University, and then um, you're flying a shoot plane. So, yeah. you know, and knowing what I, so I'm a pilot, I've got 300, uh-huh. I have 350 hours flight time and knowing mm-hmm. what I know. And then I see that happen and I'm like, oh my gosh, <laughs> like, right. what are you doing? all there, like, cause when you're flying a plane, it's like, there's checklist after checklist of making sure you're doing the right things. You're checking yeah. the wind, you're checking fuel, and I hear these stories. Like, I heard about this one guy. He's like, he ran out of fuel up in the air. I'm like, <laughs> that shouldn't have been a question. <laughs> like, I oh. know some guys that have two-seater shoe planes, and they'll carry five gallons of gas in the spare seat and fill up mid-flight. Oh, that sounds like a great idea. Oh, yeah. No, I know a lot of people have crashed them. Let's not put a bigger gas tank on it. Let's just top this thing off in the air. <laughs> yeah, I've never done this. I've just heard about it. Listen, Jeff, if you get a shoot plane, that's fine. You're going to come down here and you're going to get some real training, okay? Yeah, no, I'm good on the shoot plane stuff. You're, you're, you're not getting, they are 100% death traps. Like, yeah. it's, they, it's everything, unless, I would say this, shoot planes are okay, if you're willing to put in 60 hours of flight time training. Right. If you're willing to do that, then go buy a shoe plane. If you're not willing to do that, then don't waste, like, you're going to die. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know yeah. what to tell people. I'm not disagreeing with you. Yeah. You're going to die. Like, it's just not about when. It's like, because there's, you, you talk about. Playing with like, fire. Oh, it's total fire because, like, they, you there's an, when you're training in, to be a pilot, there's a whole section of weather. Right. And it's actually the most important section. And so now you take someone, you think, so these p- people with shoe planes, I just need to learn how to fly this. No, actually, you need to know everything. Right. Like, is it wind? Because, like, if it's five mile per hour winds up here, it could be a hundred mile per hour wind 30 feet above the ground. Right. And that, if you get caught in that, party over. Like, good luck with that, dude. <laughs> See ya, because you won't be around here. Right. But, um, yeah. Anyways, that there's another rabbit hole we went down. Sorry, guys. Yeah, another rabbit Sorry hole. Sorry about the rabbit hole. We are talking about how, uh, and we digress back into cameras, and now people might fly shoot planes, and we're hoping they're not. Hopefully, they steer clear. Yeah. So, back to the hunt. Um on the second day of the hunt, my dad, my buddy Mark, and I went out to this big rim and started glassing. And within like two minutes, they glassed up with just a big body deer. Um, I could see he had some horn. But I was looking into the sun, and it was exactly 2.5 miles away. Oh. And I know that because when I killed him, I, was, I measured it back to where I was glassing from. So <clears throat> I didn't know what deer it was, but. If you've ever hunted the strip, you know there's not many deer, and we had nothing else going on, so it really wasn't a deciding factor. It was big body deer, big rack. I'm like, okay, I'm out of here. So I took off running. So you 
did get a full, I mean, two and a half miles away, no matter what, you know, you can't see great, especially in the sun. Oh, you, yeah. You just went and all in. Windy. And you went all yep. in. Yeah, I mean, it, was, it wasn't like it was. I knew there was, you know, there was another shooter for sure, and then maybe two typicals. I probably wouldn't have shot, but who knows? Drill cameras are pretty deceiving. I mean, they could have been absolute giants on the hoof. So, um, took off running down there and finally got to, I would say I was about a hundred yards, um, took off my shoes and then that buck, uh, he, he rebedded and then got, as soon as I got there, he got up and started walking from right to left. And I could see him walking through some like the oak, oak brush and junipers. So wait, hold on. Let's, let, you're going too fast here. We're trying. <laughs> we're, we're trying to soak this moment in. Okay, soak you're, it in. you're at a hundred yeah. yards, right? And so uh-huh. for most people, like, okay, um, it's like arrows knocked, right? Oh yeah, arrows knocked. And boots do you, off. Do you take your shoes off? Uh, my shoes. I took my shoes off. Like literally, probably five steps before I saw them. So like how okay so did you know you were a hundred yards away from him? No. Okay, so you just knew you were getting close, but you didn't. When do you usually try to take your shoes off? To be when when is that point? Um, I mean, I've killed a lot of stuff with shoes on. Um, just. I'll try to do it like uh, like around 100 or 150 yards. Um, yeah. Like the hardest part about stalking a deer is getting to 100 yards, in my opinion. Like once you get to 100 yards, then it's like I, I feel like it's easier from there because um, then you know you, you're pretty close to being in range. You know, another 40 just, or 50 yards. You don't have. So do you when you get to 100 yards? No shoes? Do you bear crawl? Do you just walk quietly? I guess it depends on the terrain. But um, that it was very uh, rocky and just uh, like kind of like Malapai. It's actually all rock, um, just pebbles and stuff. So there is no being quiet for me with my big fifteen-inch feet. So um, what did you do? I just walked with my socks on. Just walked with your socks. You're like. Here we go. Very, very carefully, though, you know. So I just took a couple steps with my socks, and then... You would, like, when you stepped, you just stepped real softly? Oh, yeah. Each foot step? Because I want people to imagine, like, how slow you're going here. Like, how much it slows down. Oh, like, one step at a time, you know, I put basically my heel down first, and then slowly roll up to my toes so that that was a question i had because like i would think i would put my toes down first you could do it both ways but i i don't know i've had it where i've stepped on like a ball cactus before with your heel or your toes no with my toes first like right for like oh, like so the then, calluses on your so then you're like yeah i get you so that's good that the brighton brings a good point up because i would have I've always done my toes first, but yeah, I mean, you, you do both ways, but that's just, 
how I'm, uh, That's how you do. how I'm creeping along, you know. Did you have bushes in front of you? Did you know where he was at? I did. So once I got there, um, I was like just looking for the trees and then we kind of had some landmarks and then the buck, I saw him uh, just walk behind a tree. I knew he wasn't spooked. He was like, well, I saw, like when I saw him, he just came up behind a tree and he walked 20 yards and I could see him walking from right to left. Kind of angling to me ever so slightly and uh i put some i just stood there and waited till he, he went behind like a big juniper tree he didn't move for a while so i just stopped and waited waited and finally he came out and i had a big cliff rose bush in front of me oh yeah and when he came out so wait wait I didn't hold, on. Re- hold on one second <laughs> cody you know cliff roses slow it down i do it's not tell us what cliff rose is because like i don't think a lot of people know what that is but if you're a mule deer hunter you're going to want to know what cliff rose is yeah it's basically a uh, a bush that or or a tree i'm like exactly what it is because i know it goes from you know three feet tall to 12 feet tall yeah um, but mule deer love them yeah and usually what I was told is that you find a lot of cliff rows, you're going to find a mule deer. Pretty much. Yeah. So you got a big cliff rose bush in front of you. And he's also feeding on a cliff rose bush, perfectly broadside facing the other way into the sun. So he is quartered away? He's perfectly broadside. Oh, wow. With his head turned. Like the other way. He's yeah. just making every mistake possible for you. Oh yeah, he's just digging himself a hole. And you are how far away at this point? I didn't range him, but I had to guess probably like eighty. Eighty yards. And then uh as he was feeding, I just started like moving fast. Like fast, quiet at the same time. It sounds ridiculous, but I got the next piece of cliff rose, and as I'm standing there, I'm thinking I ranged him at that point at 68 yards, and I wanted to get closer, like, and I so ran out of cover. For me, 68 yards would be just, like, go time. Yeah. I'm, but I'm not, like, the most, like, I, I should get closer. I agree. Yeah. But I feel like for Western hunters, like, 68 yards, like, you got to make that shot, right? For for most people, yes. Yes. Um, and I I could shoot. Um, I know you can. Yeah, that's like I'm wonder- I could shoot far. I, um, I'm wondering why you're trying to get closer when you're at 68. So, I'm, I'm not sure why. So the only reason being was it was super. It was right when the sun, like the sun, was just going down, and like everything got super quiet. And I didn't want to shoot because I knew my bow would. Uh, they just make regular bow noises, you know. I knew he'd jump the string. Mm-hmm. Well, I didn't know it. I had a pretty good idea he would have when you're feeding because they're like so, you know, weary about predators. Like that's weird. That's funny because I would never have thought any of that right there. What you said. Yeah. Like I would never worry about him jumping the string when his head's like faced away. Yeah. Now they. Uh, and a lot of people think they just duck it like that's not their instinct their instinct is to run and when they go to run that's when they just drop 
their body to lunge, you know? Yeah. Um, well, that happened so, to me. That, that right there happened to me in northern Utah, 70 yards away. Mm-hmm. And gosh dang this stupid phone, man. <laughs> um, yeah, he just – I can't – I don't think people get how far – these things can drop. Oh, like, that's crazy. I have it on film. This deer, his back jump dropped below the sage bush. And my arrow, it, at first I was pissed because I thought I used the wrong pen. Yeah. And I looked, and no, I used the right pen. It, it was just a complete air ball. <laughs> right. <laughs> his back was below the sage, and my arrow were right where it was supposed to go. Just yeah. there was nothing there. <laughs> right, right. So I've yeah. had it happen before too. Yeah, it's real. So, so especially as you're shooting seventy yards, like those are things you got to account for. Yeah, so that's just kind of why I was I was worried about it. Like I really just wanted to get like shave off another ten yards. But as I'm standing there thinking of where I'm going to go, um, he stops feeding. And then he just starts scanning the country and he's scanning. And as soon as he scans over to me, I'm standing behind this little sliver of bush and he's like, pegged me. So you're staring right through me. And part of me is telling myself to draw and shoot at him. And the other part of me is telling me not to shoot at him, you know, this whole crew. Yeah. And uh, he doesn't know what you are. He's just figuring things out. Well, I was, like, pretty – I held, like, dressed the nine. Like, I had, you know, face cover on, gloves on, bow spray-painted so they don't see anything shiny, arrow spray-painted. And he just looked at me and uh, just turned back around and went back to feeding. Oh, he held true. Yeah, he held true. And uh, he uh, – I didn't take another step. I just drew back right there. Um, cause at that point you're like, okay, I just, I just, oh, yeah. I need to do it now. It's now. Or that never. shouldn't, that never happens. Like, I don't know. That deer was like just meant to be like, that was my deer. Like I've had that happen so many times and, uh, they'll just not quit looking at you. Those like, like, they'll look at you for like 30 minutes, you know, something crazy like that. And then they'll finally bound off. Yeah, they're just, like, waiting for you just to breathe or something. Yeah, exactly. I've had that happen to me more often than not. And then he just, for whatever reason, turned around with the feeding. I drew back, put my pin on him, and shot. But when I shot, he he started spinning immediately. Like, heard my bow go off. He lunged to get out of the way, like, just to take off running. And, uh... As he lunged, I thought my arrow went in front of him and like went through the trees. Um, but what had happened, so I didn't know I shot him. So I walked over there. So you thought. Got on his track. You thought you just whiffed it. Yeah. I thought I missed him. So you and, saw this um, giant 200 plus buck of a lifetime. And you're like, 230 plus. No. <laughs> I know at that time you didn't yeah, know he was yeah. 230, but you knew he was giant and you're like, I just airballed it. Yeah. Well, so yeah, you, I was pretty, 
you're pretty bummed, right? Like you had to have been. Well, bummed. what happened? Like when the shot went off, like it felt felt great. Like, but um, like when he took off, like he was gone. Like it seemed like it took one or two seconds, and I never saw him. And uh, went over there, got on his tracks, um, looking for blood, looking for arrow. Um, and at that point, my dad and Mark got a hold of me, and they're like, "Hey, what's going on?" I'm like. I don't know. I shot um, ten yards in on the on his tracks. And I don't have any blood. Um, they're like, "All right." So I kept walking, walking. I made it about thirty or forty yards, and I'm looking down at my feet, trying to track this deer. And I take one step, and then like my peripherals, I see a hoof there. And I look up, and he's freaking piled up in a bush. Oh. That's and a, I found uh, out a heart attack. <laughs> that's relieving. Yeah, it was uh, it was one of those moments. Um, I hope I get the experience again, but like I literally could not breathe. Like it, like took the wind out of my sails. Like it was, it was super hard to like. It's hard to explain. Like when people say like, "Oh yeah, like I couldn't breathe. Like I lost all my breath. Like that's how it was. Like I was like in shock. What I was looking at." So it was uh, pretty awesome. I'm looking at him right now in my room, actually. <laughs> <laughs> so whose deer is bigger, your deer or Greg's? I don't know. They're side by side. <clears throat> um, they're, I think they're the same width. But I think Greg's is a little bigger because he's got some stuff broke off on him. Well, that's but we've never broken. It doesn't count. But I think it's still bigger as, like, broken. Even broken is bigger. Yeah. Yeah. But they're, I think they're both in the 230s, and they're killed about 15 miles apart, which is pretty cool, too. Was Greg's the same year as yours? I can't remember. Was yeah, two, yeah. Months, two months later. Yeah. Oh, man. You know... Couldn't happen to two better guys, man. That's pretty cool. Man. I I appreciate it. Like, yeah, that was um, it was quite the year, and I'll probably never. I mean, can't say never, but I'll probably never have it on a year like this or like that. I should say. I'm literally thinking about how much I want to kill a big deer right now. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, me too. I'm just like thinking in my heart, like how I want to have that experience that you have like stock all the way in there have it just that's so cool man that's so yeah cool. well like the beauty of it like where i killed this deer it was um where he was living it was like in the thickest stuff imaginable but every once in a while he'd come out and feed on the edge of like the thick stuff in like this big sage valley and like there was nobody hunting them so like the best I could think is that people were like, yeah, I'm not wasting my time trying to hunt this deer. And we were just, we were just dumb enough to be there. I, so that made it all, all, even you know, better. and it was the, it was the first stock of hunt too, which normally never happens. <laughs> yeah. I don't, the last time I shot a deer, um, I got out of the truck and then I shot it over the hood. 
was that was my last deer kill with a bow. I'm hoping really? to like I'm hoping to redeem myself a little bit. Okay, like maybe I could do maybe I have a cooler story about stocking in, shoes off. I really want that story. Yeah. We're gonna work on that. Right. You know. You know it's possible. Yeah, it's pretty cool, man. But you know, it's awesome because, like, I honestly thought, I'm like, oh, I've always wanted to kill a two hundred deer, and then, like, I've helped a lot of people, you know, fulfill their dreams. I'm like, oh man, I really hope I get a chance, you know. And then finally, an opportunity presents itself and capitalize on it, and um, you know, I just want another one now. <laughs> hey, how about you help me and Cody fulfill that dream, and then you can have another one, okay? Dude, do all the do all the tag. We'll go. We'll go try, you know. No, we're, we're, not gonna, we're not going to try. We're going to do, do it. We have yeah. good vibes. We have good energy. That's all that's yeah. going to happen. See, that was that was my mindset on it, too. I'm like, well, that strip archery hunt, 21 days long. And I was like, oh, well, I'll be here for 21 days. So guess we got all, you know, I should probably wait to put in for the strip archery because I don't have 21 days to do that this year. I need to and wait. And that's the thing. To do um, that. The, that place clears out after seven to ten days. It's insane. So you hunt the second part of the hunt. You're good. I would rather hunt the first because every day gets harder. Really? Not every day. That would be the first week because they start. They start shedding. Yeah. Uh, once they get hard horned, it gets way hard. Yeah, you'll have. Their pattern um, changes quite a bit. Not like they're not going to change country. They're just not going to be out feeding as long as they used to, and just stuff like that. Yeah, kind of the main the main thing there. Well, thank you for sharing the story, buddy. We got a couple yeah. little quick moments for you here. Yeah, no worries. Um, so you're racing dirt bikes now? Uh, yeah. Well. Well, I, I know you're racing dirt bikes because um, I'm currently sponsoring, Roller Ride sponsoring your team. <laughs> Which I appreciate, yeah. No, I you, I remember you hit me up and I was like, sure. <laughs> Why, yeah, of course I'll help you out, man. It's awesome. Yeah, oh, I appreciate it. Um, yeah, like taking it pretty serious. Um, like I, I did some races like when I was younger, like 15 years ago probably. And then kind of didn't ride motorcycles for a long time. And then started riding them a lot recently in the last four years, four or five years. And then um, last year we were like, hey, let's go do a best in desert race and had fun with it. And then this year we're like, hey, let's do the whole series. So we'll, uh, we're having a lot of fun with it and you know, trying to be competitive. Um, How many more races do you guys have? Um, the next one is in August. That's Vegas Torino. Yeah. And then is the mint part of the best of the no, the mint is I that, believe it was bought out. So is Parker is Parker part of it, King of Hammers? Is that all no that's different. Uh Parker like the Parker two fifty, Parker four twenty five, that's all best in the desert stuff. I don't know what association like, controls King of the Hammers. King of the Hammers and Mint four hundred and and the Mint 400, I could be wrong, and I probably am, but I think it's its own thing. 
Um, and I think we're going to, you know, a couple of buddies are going to make a team for that next year. And then we're also talking about doing a, making an effort down in Baja, um, well, which is nice down there because you could, if you do I got it, it. If you do it, contact me. I can get you in contact because we already have race uh, crews down there, and uh-huh. um, we could just uh, have you guys be—you know—you could be part of the race team. You know, like you guys could have race in your own class, but you know, we could all support each other. So it'd be cool, right? No, for sure, for that, sure. That's so, the hardest part about the Baja is the race support. It's all the race support. Oh, one hundred percent. Like my cousin and my uncle, they've won the ball 1,500 multiple times. Um, they're talking about making like a, they used to race on pro quad. And then, um, dude, dude, pro quad has been taken over by the locals. Like no, oh, joke, yeah. no joke, dude. Pro quad. It is all Mexican locals that, and they crush all it next. and they crush it, dude. They crush. So it. the guys out, the guys that won this year is like the team. Um, so what will happen is like, <laughs> like as a Josh and, um, I forget the guy's name, um, Javier, I forget. They won it this year, but that's the team they normally, you know, he always rides with, but, yeah. um, that's cool. Anyways, we're talking about you making a, you can't pro race limited. Quad. You can't race quads. No, we'll be on the, we'll be on a bike. Okay, because um, the, t- the my friends, um, they told me I'm never allowed to ride a quad again. Because yeah, um, they're I not guess, fun to race against. I can tell you that. Like, um, there's it's funny because like quad guys don't care about motorcycles. They're like, oh, they're cool, but motorcycles, like, they hate the quad guys. I don't. Oh yeah. It's like, oh, you ride a quad, and like they look down on you because you ride a yeah. quad. You're like. And then I'm standing there like, that's all I've ever ridden. That's, a quad. that's all my dad the issue with drive. it. The issue with it is when you're racing and you get stuck behind a quad. A quad. And it's basically like a trophy truck with handlebars. Yeah. Kicking off on real amount of death. Yeah. Yeah. That was a. Uh, I'm excited. I actually want to race. Um, I want to race also. At some point, I made yeah. a promise to myself. I would, like to me and Cody talked about it. I have to get down to a certain weight. Mm-hmm. And that's my personal thing. Yeah. Um, and as the award for doing that, I'm going to, I would like to race the trophy lights. Oh, yeah. That's uh, down there or up here? Anywhere. I don't care. Yeah. We'll race down the street. yeah no it's like the best in the desert they put on like great courses for all that um obviously score score just takes it's just way more it's so much work a lot more stuff moving you know so much work down there at baja yeah that that's the nice thing with best in desert it's pretty cheap and what's kind of scary about it is there's no pre-running and yeah, man. I, um, so yeah. you're just you're just going for it down there. They do have it marked very very well uh, for the most part, but it's still really hard to run the pace, not knowing what's coming. You know. Yeah. I, like I said, it's marked pretty safe, but you know, everyone's 
pushing the envelope on it. Like it's it's just way faster than than score racing. It's just a lot of like open desert, wide open roads. Yeah, super fast. Yeah, and well, it's a little you know, easier on the body a little bit than getting technical oh, one, and all that. All that. Oh, one thousand yeah. percent. Like the score stuff. Like I've ridden quite a bit down in Baja. It it um, takes a lot more. I'm gonna say skill because they both take a lot of skill, but it takes a lot more endurance. I would say. If you could find a way to get a driver's license that said you're 40, I can get you on a team. Yeah. <laughs> I told Brad that. I go, yeah, um, if you guys want to race pro limited, I'm about it. But I'm not 40. So. <laughs> I know because we, we were like, we were down that rider and we only had two riders and they were really scared of what direction to go. And oh, yeah. They almost Ironmaned it. They almost decided just to Ironman. And for Cody, Ironman is the is right. You one you do the whole course on your own, mm-hmm. which would just be like a personal accomplishment. Oh yeah, right. yeah. oh yeah. And then, um, but I convinced them. Like me and the other race guy, all the team there were like, you got even though it's just two of you, you have to race because you. They took second in the two fifty, like. And there's a, the the 400 X bike. They they were just they're really fast, but I'm like you never know. You never mm-hmm. know when um, they have engine failure or one of the riders goes down really bad. Like you got if you put yourself in a position. And you know they took second, and uh, they beat the KTM 40 class team, which is pretty cool. They're you know the factory support team ktm it's always cool to be a factory support team yeah but um yeah it was a lot of work I'll, you know i wasn't even racing i was i was pretty tired <laughs> <laughs> right well a lot of a lot of people don't realize like how much it is very hard and i've never even raced you know split 500 miles you know but i have you know 300 miles or whatever and it's hard to like know how much energy you need to use like when to push and when to not or just ride the bike it's pretty difficult you know yeah because i mean plus you're racing right right and those bikes go pretty fast and oh yeah you know 100 mile an hour machine i watched i watched uh my one close thing i saw we were at uh, mile marker 205 and we're there just for a visual check and Uh um I was I filmed the whole thing for the guys, and um, I saw the 100x bike go through. They Chris pe- Gill um, ran over. Oh, I saw I saw it happen. I oh, saw, you were right there when it happened. Yeah, I saw I saw the quad just run them right over. Yeah. And and then I saw yeah. the quad kept driving away. I'm like, what? A, like, and then the ambulance and everything's there. It's like, oh my gosh. It's just not what, what, it, what ended up having happening to him. I have no idea. I saw the ambulance yeah. there. I saw the hundred X bike finish. Yeah. No, but, I know they, and they did go back on, but I, yeah. they, I was expecting them to talk about it on the post. Cause would they finished like right before we did? Uh-huh. And I thought they would talk about it. They didn't say a word about it. Right. I know they're missing a rider. He's not there. Like he, hundred percent, right. got something broke. He got ran over. Yeah. Like he, he was going over a whoop, and like you know, when you're going over whoops, you kind, he's probably a couple feet in the air, and he landed mm-hmm. sideways, and the 
what happened was it's sand, right? So he landed in the sand and it just, it just drug him. And all he did was spin out, you know, just right. laid it down, except for the quad guy right behind him, just ran him yeah. flat over, dude. I, I did see that. We talked about it. Like, do you stop? Like, you got to stop. But it's like, well, there's so many people here. Like, sure, they can take care of them. Like, there was a lot of all of that discussion going on. Oh, the, the dude guy ran over and he just kept driving. Yeah. I'm like, I, if I, I found that guy, he, he would get knifed. I'm sorry, buddy. <laughs> like, I'm at least knifing his tires. I almost, right. So I'm filming Brad at one of the pits. Uh-huh. And... I'm giving like, go, go, you know, I'm right in front of Brad and I take one step to the right and like the, I think it was the 300X bike almost plows me right over, dude. I take one step to the right and I'm in the pits. Right. Jeez, bro. Chill. (laughs) Like, yeah, no, it's wild down there with, uh, you could pit anywhere, basically pretty much anywhere. Like the best in desert stuff, there's designated pits where you hit the pit. Yeah, you have to go 25 miles an hour. No, not here. You can go. The, yeah. the craziest thing I saw, real quick before we finish up, I saw, I saw this. Uh, it was the first pits. It was a mile, mile marker. It was our first rider change at mile marker 160. And there was like, so all the locals show up. And they're just, dude, they're, they're surveys. So they got. Right. They're, they're having fun, <laughs> dude. They got the barbecues going. And. This team must have had someone in there. One of the locals must have had uh, a rider in this particular division. Because mm-hmm. I see, like, three guys jump out in the middle of the track. Stop! Stop! Like, trying to get this guy to stop. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't the rider. He, they were just trying to slow him down. That's it. Like, and the guy, like, <laughs> had to, like, weave out of the way to get around him. And yeah, I'm like, what the heck, dude? Serious? That's the that's the scary part, along with oncoming vehicles. Oh, dude. Uh. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You never know. I've watched this guy show up at a pit five in the morning. He opens the door. Beer cans are falling out. He's got the entire family in. He is like ripped beyond belief, and he comes <laughs> up to us, sir. Have you seen Robbie Gordon? Robbie Gordon. <laughs> Robbie, 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 he would just go up to everybody. Robbie Gordon, Robbie Gordon. And then he starts, he's so ripped, he doesn't know where he's at. It's five in the morning. And then he starts driving down the, the track for who knows how long. And he's on like, he's in a geo prism with three donuts. And I'm like, I'm like, oh my gosh, this guy. And then he starts driving backwards down the track. I'm like, dude, someone help this man. Police, yeah, where's the a, police? That's the scary part of it. Yeah, that's that's what you have to deal with down there. But yeah, like I said, we're kicking around the idea. At least at least trying to do the five hundred. You know. Yeah, and the five hundred. That's I think a bucket list. If you guys are already racing, you should do it. Right. Well, Jeff, we're gonna. I'm expecting big things out of you this year. <laughs> I'm expecting to see some see. picks sent to me and Cody. That's right. We need we need a little more more moisture, but hey, you never know. Monsoon's coming. We need a lot more. And I'm hoping um, you have a great year. But I'm hoping that January rolls it down, and you're like, hey, you know, Brock and Cody, I 
I was, I need someone to hunt with. I found this big deer, and I I need someone to come help me. I need you guys to shoot it. <laughs> Dude, if you guys just let me know, you guys can come hunt with me. I don't care. Oh, we will. So, I already have a two hundred and thirty inch deer. Yeah, you, well, you don't need a two ten. Right. Five. You can't leave the small stuff for <laughs> us, dude. You know? Yeah. Seriously, come on, come on up. I don't care. Well, word. Appreciate you, bro. Be of safe course. this year. Appreciate you guys. And uh, we'll be we'll be waiting to hear from you next year and hear all the stories about next year. We want some good ones. I'm sure there'll be something. All right, man. All right, Jeff. Later, bud. You, Thank you for having me. See I'm you. Bye. Alrighty. All right. Well, that's Jeff. Jeff. Jeff Road. Check him out on Instagram. He's Jeff. got a great page. It's uh, Jeffrey Dot Row R O W. Check him out. And um, yeah, I I just <laughs> lost my. I just was thinking with two hundred and thirty inch deer. Like, did you see that thing on Instagram? I did. It's amazing. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. Pretty no. big. Have you ever held one in your hands, like horns? Not 230, no. We need to go hold it. Well, I don't, because then I'll, nah, not till I kill it. Yeah, well, yeah. let's let's find a way to do it together. Word. I'm in. Let's do it. All right, thanks, guys. Thanks for listening. See ya. See ya. Later.